Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and philosophy of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jiro Taylor. And today I am talking to a very interesting man, a very inspirational man, a very wise man. And his name is Peter Sage. I first heard about Peter Sage uh, through the London Real podcast. And uh, he gave an amazing interview with Brian Rose from London Real. And it was an honor to get him onto the Flow State podcast. And we get into a lot of very interesting discussions about how he lived his life through his early years in his 20s, chasing the rabbit um, on this track to nowhere, as he describes it, uh, building wealth, seeking validation from others. And then he had this breakthrough moment, which involved a car crash and him realizing that this was a road to nowhere. This wasn't going to lead to any fulfillment. And um, he gained a lot of wisdom about how to redesign his life, how to realign his life according to the principles of nature. And there's so many parallels with Peter's message and with my message through Flow State about how we can just go outside and look at nature, look at the trees, look at what's going on out there and realize that what, what is the fundamental truth there? It's growth and contribution. And it's about living in flow with nature rather than just swimming upstream. So please listen into this podcast if you want to listen some, to some profound wisdom by a guy who has redefined what wealth and abundance really means. He's worked with $700 million entrepreneurs who are miserable because they're not billionaires. He understands it. He gets it. He really has dug to the roots of why we're miserable, why, we're, why some people are miserable, why we're chasing these things, these external validators, and what we can do to change that, how we can create this life that's rich in meaning and abundance. So please listen in, guys. This is one of the best. This is a fantastic podcast episode. See ya. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. I'm here with Peter Sage. Welcome to the show, Peter. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. So, Peter, just um, you're, you're, you're pretty well known, and um, I think that you've got some fantastic achievements. And uh, I, just to put you on the spot, how would you introduce yourself um, to the audience who, in Australia <laughs> who might not have heard of you? Uh, yeah, always on the spot. I, to, to, to be honest, uh, my, my primary identity these days is that of a teacher. Uh, and while I've been very fortunate enough to have uh, some uh, success in, uh, for example, business and as an entrepreneur uh, over the last sort of two to three decades, uh, my primary passion has always been that of being able to help people realize their own greatness. Because, you know, I, I spent many times putting myself on a, um, uh, in a, uh, I guess, or, or putting others rather on a pedestal and sort of looking up to them. And by definition, it always minimizes you. So uh, if anything, I don't want to do that for the audience. Uh, or yeah, come up with a uh, some sort of fancy title or, or yeah, uh, bio or resume. Yeah, pe- people are people at the end of the day, and I think that there's far more to be gained from understanding that you know, I'm simply an expression of other people that may have, uh, and I may have had some other different levels of uh, experience, which I've been fortunate enough to have, or maybe some mentors. And you know, if we can start off on that footing, then maybe everybody can be open to learning something from each other. Wonderful. So, what is it you feel that you stand for as a teacher? Uh, really, it's being able to yeah uh, reveal the greatness in others, 
Yeah. And yeah, as a as a person who, uh, as I say, has certainly yeah, gone through uh, an, enough of my own journey <laughs> in many different ways and still on that journey, of course, as we all are, uh, I think that you know, my, my mission here is to, I say, to essentially reveal the greatness in others. You know, most of the time people are running around in life looking for a place to reattach their umbilical cord. Yeah, they're looking for validation, they're looking for approval, or they're looking for significance as a vehicle to avoid admitting that. And so, you know, from, uh, it, yeah, from my perspective, there's so few people that are willing to turn around and, and acknowledge and validate other people for, for where they're at, rather than trying to wear this mask. I mean, most people go through life in today's world, you know, as this beautiful shining diamond covered in yeah, layers of dirt and mud and then masks and then finally your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> and, and, and there's such a lack of in, uh, authenticity, not because people are purposely trying to be unauthentic, but because they're so scared to be yeah, to be real in case people find out they don't have an S on their chest. And yeah, that's where I see so many people running around. So if I can help people sort of reveal the fact that they already had an S on their chest, they don't need to pretend then yeah, with where they're at, then yeah, maybe we can make the world a little better place. Wonderful. So what, uh, what do you feel is, is really, I guess is a deep question and we'll get, and we'll get into this um, because it's multi-layered, I imagine, but what do you feel is the, the primary origin of this dirt that covers the diamond? Uh, very simple. In, in my experience, the, the, the first, uh, I guess, um, experience that we have in life is that of unconditional love. Yeah, a, a baby can't do anything wrong. Yeah, if it if it throws up on your new suit, it's inconvenient, but you still love the baby. Yeah, if it cries at two o'clock in the morning because it's hungry, it doesn't care about your sleep schedule, right? You don't blame the baby. It's what babies do. But at some point, yeah, parents when they feel that the baby is able to communicate at a two-way street um, through some even rudimentary or limited level of understanding, there's a there's a switching point. There's a tipping point where parents impose on their child a series of behaviors or expectations that are rewarded with approval and love. And the impression is that love is then withdrawn should that you know, child not fulfill certain levels of behavior or expectations. Now, it doesn't matter whether the parent does or doesn't love the child, it's down to the perception. So from our earliest memory, which is usually around about you know, five, six years old you know, or before, you know, we've already had two or three years of training that love is conditional. Yeah, we behave a particular way. We fulfill particular expectations. We're rewarded with love, approval, connection, validation. And if we don't, we're not. And we spend the rest of our life projecting that and seeking that yeah, or fulfilling that pattern uh, and then going repeating it in our own relationships. So yeah, the primary, uh, in my experience, the, the, the primary starting point for most people's fear that they're not enough is you know, a lack of, of experience of you know, con uh, unconditional love and a training that love is conditional from the earliest memory. Interesting. So has this changed? Have you, are you a parent yourself? Uh, I have two Jack Russell Terriers. <laughs> and and is, uh, is your love unconditional? Uh, well, theirs is, and that's a great model. <laughs> model you know? uh, you, you go to the shops for 20 minutes and come back, and they're all over you as if you've gone for a week. You know, you, you yeah. can shout at them and 30 seconds later, they still love you to bits. It's, you know, dogs are a, a beautiful expression of what unconditional love is. And I think we could learn a lot from that. But in terms of two-legged um, uh, children, not yet. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I'm not either. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a fragile position to, to talk about parenting styles from. Um, but, but yeah, I, I feel what you mean there. I remember going to a, a, a meditation retreat and there was a child psychologist that, uh, who was a fellow guest. And we were talking about how, you know, how to speak to, to young children when they've, when they've done something wrong, when their behavior is wrong. And she was talking about this model whereby you say, where you say to the child, um, your behavior is wrong, but you are not. <laughs> you are perfect. You are wonderful. But your behavior is bad. Um, to sort of draw that separation. And, I've, and I just found that uh, an interesting thing because it's not the done thing. It's like, you're naughty, naughty. Do, you know, you're bad. And if you do this, you'll go to the naughty corner. And it's, yeah. it's very interesting. Okay, so, so I, I just want to get back uh, to, to your early life. I know that um, you, you wrote your first book at the age of 18, a, a book on physical, physical fitness, was yeah. it? Okay, so how, how did you, in those early days, um, you know, my teenage years, I was completely mindless, um, very unconscious. Um, I just wanted to go out and chase girls and get pissed. And um, I really had no idea. My head was completely up my ass and it took, you know, deep into my 20s and 30s to really get any sense of what the world was all about. Um, talk to me about how you were in your teenage years. Well, one of the early things to remember is the fact that, you know, uh, the, although biological maturity is non-negotiable, um, you know, chronologically, emotional and spiritual maturity is. Yeah, that, that's a choice. And yeah, it's a journey. It's part of that. You can't appreciate uh, the depths of compassion without coming from a place of judgment pre previous. Uh, you, you can't experience yourself as, as beautiful unless you first experience yourself as ugly. Yeah, it's, it's the dichotomy of the duality that we live in. So you know, to, to come from a place of awareness that, you know, there's, that there's more to life than chasing you know, girls, drinking beer and, uh, and having a great time and, and that there's a deeper level of meaning... Yeah, Buddha wasn't born enlightened. You know, he was he was born yeah, Prince Siddhartha and had his own journey to go through. And that journey, yeah, the, the the vision at the top of the mountain is is only possible if you've yeah, climbed a decent way yeah, from the bottom. So I, I think yeah, I don't judge anybody, especially myself. I, I was the classic example. I was a you know, I, be, I dropped out of school at sixteen. You know, I'm not academically gifted in any way. And I started my first business at seventeen, and it was a, a really a scream, a, a cry for validation. And you know, I want to get approval from parents. I want to prove to my teachers that you know, I wasn't an idiot. I, I wanted to have a lifestyle that I felt would justify uh, other people's you know, um, approval of me in a way that you know, I, I wasn't you know, uh, less than. And yeah, that carried on into my 20s quite a lot. I mean, I, I wasn't out partying. I was out uh, striving. Uh, but it was you know, essentially the same, you know, flip side of the same coin. Yeah, we're, uh, and it wasn't really until my, my late 20s where I, I kind of hit uh, a wall, uh, almost literally, when uh, I remember I was driving home from the office one night about 2 o'clock in the morning. I was working between 130, 133 hours a week, chasing this rabbit that I couldn't catch by design. Not because I, I wasn't yeah, a good greyhound, if you continue that metaphor. Uh, not because I didn't have a good train or a good diet or whatever, but because the game is set up so that you cannot catch the rabbit. Right? Because yeah, for me, you know, trying to catch the rabbit of you know, fulfillment by running on the track of achievement are two things that you, know, you just cannot reconcile. So 
yeah, I thought well, when I start my first business, I'll, I'll have made it. When I make my first million, I'll have made it. And of course, by the time you make your first million, you suddenly realize that I'm still me. I just have more money. So therefore, that can't be it. But now, obviously, it must be two million, you know, which I obviously need in case I lose the first. Yeah, and then it's five and then it's more and then I need another Ferrari and then all the, the, the game of chasing the more because you cannot validate yourself uh, internally by anything external. Yeah, that doesn't work. So you know, I was just chasing more and, th- and then it was five businesses, then it was eight businesses and I was on this hamster wheel to nowhere, exhausting myself, petrified that if somebody actually discovered I was actually human, Right, without this like cape that I you know, thought people saw that I had as Wonder Boy, then yeah, oh my God, my life would come crashing down. Yeah, don't don't dare take the veneer and, and all the layers of, uh, of of the crap off the LinkedIn profile in case you actually find out I'm I'm real. <laughs> you know? uh, because inside I didn't feel that. You know, you, so for, for me, I, I had to say a similar journey, but it was it was it, it was late into my twenties when I, I finally understood and, and shifted from this sense of you know. Uh, uh, needing to prove to the world that I was good enough into aligning with some of the universal principles of life, which if you only go to nature and look, operate on growth and contribution. In other words, you know, and I, I've, I've done a lot of um, uh, psychotherapeutic intervention now over the years. Uh, I've worked with drug addicts, homeless, suicide, abuse cases, trauma, yeah, um, yeah, for, for yeah, probably a decade and a half at, at the deepest levels. And the one thing that is consistent and congruent about people that are stressed on antidepressants that you know, have no compelling future is that they're too focused on themselves mm. and they're too focused on their own insecurities mm. and why life doesn't fit their pictures, uh, which ultimately is pictures they're trying to chase so that other people will approve of them. Yeah, amazing, massive. So this, this focus on themselves, this inward introspection takes them away from what you we see in nature which is expression of life force outward in yeah. giving expressing growth and contribution anything that doesn't grow and contribute in nature is taken out of the food chain hmm. so, animals don't die of old age what do they die of <laughs> once they're no longer able to contribute to the ecosystem they contribute themselves to lunch usually hmm. yes 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 so so this, so this shift from feeding something within the ego, let's call it, this sense of validation, this identity, this superhero figure, to this model of growth and contribution. So how, how did it actually happen? What, what, what went on in your life at that time? Well, so I was leaving the office at 2 o'clock in the morning, as, as usual, to get my three-and-a-half-hour sleep. And um, uh, I, felt, I fell asleep driving home and, and hit an intersection at 60 miles an hour. And, yeah, l- luckily I wasn't hurt too badly. You know, the, the car certainly wasn't happy. And uh, I remember sitting at the side of the road waiting for the tow truck to come in and, and sort of shaking and thinking, whoa, hang on a minute, time out. What the f- just, just happened? You know, I mean, I could have been dead. Uh, I could have, worse, I could have probably killed or hurt somebody else. Why? And it was sitting there, two in the morning, shivering, shaking, you know, uh, adrenaline coursing through my veins at the side of the road uh, on my own in, in the dead of night, where I finally got honest about asking myself questions I wasn't afraid to answer. And it was like, is this what I really, really want? Is this what I'm chasing? Because I couldn't see an end. You, know, I, I, you, you couldn't do more than 133 hours a week. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
And yeah, I was going to end up in a very quickly in a, in a place where I may not come back. And so I'm like, is this what I want? No, I'm building a monster that's trapping me. That's not what I signed up for. That's not the glamour. I mean, yeah, everybody sees me, you know, having this lifestyle and, you know, five-star hotels and flying Concorde and, and you know, buying supercars and all the rest of it. But how do I feel inside? Empty, alone, uh, under, yeah, uh, underwhelmed, you know, a fake, a fraud, because everyone thinks that I've made it. And I feel, you know, like I still haven't found the golden pill. It must be buying another car. Oh, no, crap, that doesn't do it. What's next? Uh, and I finally sat down and thought, you know, something, screw it. Yeah, I'm, uh, this, isn't what I'm, this isn't what I'm about. And I, I remember I sold off most of what I owned. Uh, I lost a, a company because I just wasn't interested. It wasn't my passion anymore. And yeah, I just essentially started again from scratch and vowed that I wouldn't design myself into the equation as a slave to insecurities. I wouldn't care about what other people thought, not from a place of arrogance, but from a place of freedom of swimming in goop, yeah, what I call the good opinion of other people, because that's what I spent most of my life swimming in. Interesting, goop. I like that. So, but at this stage in your life, you'd obviously been striving from uh, teens to, to late 20s. So it was all push. And you had really built up this, this facade, this mask, um, as this successful person. Did that come at the detriment of knowing who you actually were? Like, did, were there roots of self-knowledge hidden there? Like, did, did, you, did you know yourself, like, when you were hiding under your duvet from the world, could you answer the questions such as, who am I? What is my meaning? Like, what do I stand for? Uh, I, I couldn't articulate it, but I did know that it wasn't what I was doing. So therefore, there had to be an answer. Yeah, but I was so afraid of you know, uh, you know, the, the patterns I was running away from, predominantly approval, yeah, that uh, I never, it was easier to distract myself with what I was good at, which was building businesses and making money, uh, to, to validate and keep running that pattern until life eventually jabbed me in the ribs hard enough to, to stop me from, from running that path. So I always knew, and I think everybody always knows that there's something different. There's something more to where they're at, why they're here. And depending on what level of spirituality you want to get into, I mean, you know, let, let, let's, let's look at the biology of it in the physical world. You have 400 million to one and you show up. Hmm. Yeah, it begs the question, why did you want to be here so badly? And if you take it a step further and actually look at the miracle that happens under a microscope, you'll notice it's not just the first little guy that gets there. Yeah, there's usually probably about a dozen or so out of 400 million, but at some point, one is chosen. Science can't explain it, biology can't explain it, but one gets through and it's almost as if it's selected. In other words, you were chosen to be here. And inherent in that awareness is the fact that you have a gift to give, you have a purpose. And I know what it isn't. It ain't working 40 hours a week in a job you don't like for somebody you don't, you've never met that doesn't care about you to retire in 40 years hoping that you found the answer to go and live life at that point. Mm. And I think you, you probably had that uh, realization yeah, coming out of the industry. <laughs> Absolutely, Peter. Yeah. I mean, you, you chase the rabbit. I often talk about chasing the carrot. And, and like, you know, I sometimes say that I caught the carrot and I bit into it and I broke all my teeth because, yeah, like you, there was the wealth, the holidays, the social status and, you know, Everyone's saying, oh, you're a big shot and all that sort of thing. But it's such an interesting dichotomy when you go home and you, you sit by yourself and you realize that you've actually sold out and you're a fraud and a fake. And it's the worst feeling. And I, I remember sitting in this 
penthouse apartment in Hong Kong and, and just crying my eyes out and just feeling, what, what, what have I become? And, um, but as you said at the beginning, these, these things work in opposition. It's like the depth of that despair. Is, it's like being pulled back on a slingshot, isn't it? And it, and it yeah. gives you this, this impetus to launch into something different. And um, so, I, so I'm fascinated by this, this well, a few, well, everything, but this, um, this choice point in your life. So, so you had this moment at 2 a.m. sitting by the side of the road when you were just questioning. You were just like, what the F am I doing? This is not how life is supposed to be lived. But then there's a whole series of not practical steps, but spiritual steps to, to, to really go from um, the, the patterns of avoidance and approval seeking and distraction to something grounded in something more authentic and mm-hmm. self-loving. And, ha- you know, for me, that happened over a period of, of, of years um, with a lot of space, a, a lot of nature, a lot of wisdom, traditions, meditation, surfing, being, in, you know, just like checking out from the world. But it seems like you set up a business and a new lifestyle almost from the get-go? Or did you have your, like, let's get out of here and find myself? Uh, no, it's, it, it is a journey. And, yeah, for me, yeah, what, as soon as I'd let go of all of the energy that is vested in yeah, covering up that insecurity or chasing that yeah, rabbit or that carrot, once that energy is freed, it allows a lot more of who you are to show up. Yeah, you no longer trying to appear, you know, be this giant chameleon. You know, oh, well, if, if you don't like me this way, I'll change to this color. If you don't like that color, I'll change to this color. Yeah. Uh, and this giant adaptation machine going through life, uh, desperately you know, trying to win the, the love, affection, approval, validation, significance uh, 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 of others. So once that game's not going on, it's like, wow, okay, I actually feel like I'm me. And I, I don't care at this point. And it was funny because in my speaking career, there was a big shift at that point. Yeah, prior to that, as you could probably imagine, I was getting on stage and giving talks from a place of, I wonder if the audience will like me. Yeah, how do I get score 10 out of 10 on the feedback form? Yeah, all of the, all of the stuff that was reinforced by the patterns I was running. Now, as soon as I let go of that, and I came from a place of, you know something? I don't care if the audience know my name. I don't care if they agree with what I've got to say. If I'm passionate about this and I feel that it can serve them at whatever level, then that's what I'm here to say. And you let go of all of the stuff that you know, keeps you trapped in this side of possibility. And boom, paradoxically at that point, yeah, I started getting way more connection, way more bookings, way more standing ovations, way more. Because people connect. It's real. Yeah, you, you, you may not be real yourself, but who do you want to do business with? Right? Somebody who's real or somebody who runs the same insecure patterns that we do? No, not at all. You want somebody who's, who's real and say, wow, there's no hidden agenda. Yeah, he's a straight-talking guy, and yeah, you know where you stand. There's a relief around that, that you're not playing games or, or what have you. So for me, it was, it was quite a, a fairly quick transition, but it did start me on the path of, of much deeper learning that's taken many, many years of, uh, of maturity to, to really assimilate. Mm. Okay, so let's, let's talk about that, that learning. So I, I sort of equate the model that I kind of run, it's, it's not mine, it's nature's. But um, I, I'll, I'll talk about this briefly, but I had a sort of a psychedelic experience uh, a few years ago um, on a ceremony with a, a shamanic ceremony. And I was uh, sat, sat in the forest just observing this tree and I, was, and I was 
struck by the the grandeur of the tree. It was so it was so giving of itself to 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 creatures all around it. I could see that it was you know just giving so much to the ecosystem in terms of shelter, shade, fruits, nuts, everything. It was just vibrant and part of this system. And um, you know, purpose, purpose was just pouring from it. And this was pre me starting flow state and and me feeling very bottled up and. And I remember observing this tree in this altered state of consciousness where there was no ego, no thoughts, no time. And I was just this, this, this realization that the, the purpose of this tree was emanating from, the, from its roots. It, was just, it just came through so strongly. And then I saw that this tree also had this really solid str- trunk structure. And, uh, and then I equated that to sort of the discipline and the practices, the routines that we, ha- that we put into our life that allow us to have structure, like the structure of a house. And I'm very fascinated by the routines and the disciplines of amazing people or people who live authentically. Um, so can you talk to us about how these shifted in your life as, as you grew? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer here, Jero, that you know, rituals make it real. Mm. And, you know, I, I knew I'd always had very good discipline. It was coming from a different place. It was coming from, you know, you know kicking myself out of bed you know, 5, 6 a.m. to try and go and prove to the world. But it did build good habits you know, in terms of being self-motivated. And again, once you free up the energy that, uh, that's you know, like a weight on your shoulders as to the reasons why, and you recontextualize that through, through meaning. And as you say, I love your, your turn of phrase where purpose is pouring out of it. Well, once you become you know, authentic around that, it's a whole different thing. It becomes effortless you know, rather than struggle and effort. Mm. Uh, and so uh, for me, you know, my, my routine uh, really got to a point where I was always into personal development. That, that's one thing that I, I'm very grateful for. I got into personal development at 17. And so, yeah, again, the first, as you can imagine, the first yeah, sort of decade of that was all about trying to be better so that, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it gave me a really good foundation. And so, you know, having, well, wow, what, 27 years of personal development now yeah, and, and been in the industry for, say, nearly three decades, it's it's you know, really helped me form who I am because I was applying a lot of that to be successful in business. Yeah, and even when I, I work with or coach with business owners right now, it's never the business. You can fix business in a strategy that you can learn on yeah in Google. It's always the business owner because it's who you are as an expression of how you apply what it is that you know or learn that'll always produce the yeah, the result. And so inherent in any business venture. From the CEO's perspective, it's never the issue in the business. It is always yeah, an extension of a limited pattern of thinking that yeah, yeah, emanates from the CEO. So, so for me, the, the ritual was always about trying to work on myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, I think, probably only about 10 years ago, I really got into meditation. Because prior to that, I was too busy being busy trying to learn stuff to meditate. <laughs> Uh, and uh, but meditation, when I finally understood the real value and connection in being able to uh, surrender to the wisdom of, of, as you say, nature's plan, and rather than fight the current, flow with the current, mm-hmm. it was a whole different game. And yeah, that's when you start to notice things showing up in an effortless way, and the left brain's got nowhere to go. When you start amassing evidence at the rate that you know, is always there, but you know, you, you're throttling its its progress as soon as you try to figure it out yourself. You know, then 
you know, you really coming from a, a background of an achiever, you, you'd be silly to, to try and do anything else. So meditation, I was I was encouraged and spurred on by results, and it felt great. And so, you know, that forms a big part of my current ritual. I, I get up, you know, usually always before six o'clock, anywhere between five and six a.m. I have a three-hour morning ritual, and that includes getting into my meditation room at home. Um, uh, the, the first thing I'll do when I get out of bed is usually hydrate. You know, I'll take a, a liter of greens, uh, something alkalizing, plant-based, and uh, flush out, you know, most of the toxins that are from from overnight. Uh, I'll rebound for maybe five, 10 minutes and um, go through some of my you know, uh, incantations or you know, affirmations. Uh, I'll then, uh, depending on which order and sequence I'm moved to, to do it in, I'll either meditate you know, half an hour. Uh, I'll then read some form of spiritual development in the morning. Uh, I'm a big fan of the work of uh, David Hawkins, uh, Power Versus Force, as um, a seminal piece of work. Uh, some of his later work, uh, for example, like the um, uh, the Eye of the Eye is pretty heavy going for some people, but it's, it depends where you're at. Um, I'll also journal. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big journaler. And it's it's kind of my private conversation with myself. Uh, so you're not filtering it through what you think somebody else is going to yeah, read it. And it's it's either distilling some of the insights that came through the meditation or some of the learning, or it's you know, self-reflection. You know, I got hooked yesterday by this particular pattern. Uh, uh, what what was really going on there? Let me have a look at that. Let me write it out and see what comes up, and and just be vulnerable enough to be honest with yourself right from the time like I was sitting at the side of the road waiting for the tow truck. Mm. Um, that's usually a couple of hours from start to finish in total. Yeah, plus visualizing. I'm I'm a big visualizer. Yeah, or I'll I'll do some heart math. Yeah, you know, to get into a really high state of coherence, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I'll hit the gym. Uh, I'm health is still one of my primary values and uh, I'm a weights guy. I'll, um, I'll go hit the gym if I'm not doing endurance type based training, which uh, I've been doing more recently. I'm, uh, I'll be hitting uh, more heavy, short and sharp. Uh. And, uh, and that's it. So nine o'clock in the morning, mind, body and spirit is all done and I'm ready to, to go play with the day, go, go dance yeah, with whatever comes up. Uh, and that's really yeah, the foundation of, of my yeah, uh, of my essence of who I am. Because if if I don't do that morning routine consistently, it's very easy to spot. You know, you don't you don't brush your teeth consistently, you're going to get cavities. You you don't take a shower consistently, you're going to smell. <laughs> you, you don't you don't work on who you are consistently, then it's going to show up with um, at certain levels of decay in life. That's uh, that's my thoughts. So what what are your what are the immediate things that you pick up on when you when you haven't stuck to that morning routine? Um, life doesn't flow. Yeah. Life you start hitting um, uh, roadblocks uh, uh, of things that you know, you know you're struggling with. Yeah, now I don't care what shows up. It's not all about trying to be roses. Um, you know the strongest trees grow in the strongest winds. So if you want to be the most authentic version of yourself, pray for strong winds and don't bitch about it when they show up. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're the gifts. Mm. Yeah, you, if, if the essence of life is growth and contribution, growth can only result from challenge. Mm-hmm. You don't grow by looking at the weights in the gym. Mm-hmm. You got to so, push them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you don't say, give me the strength, then I'll go lift. That, that doesn't work. That's counterintuitive to the, uh, the principles of nature. Mm-hmm. So you know, when strong winds come in, and it could be, as you say, you know, Losing your job, breaking your teeth on the carrot, having a relationship you know, go south, you know, losing a deal, having you know, a health challenge, whatever it is. If you're not able to embrace that 
from a place of, of genuine gratitude for the winds of life to come in so that you can be a stronger tree, then you shouldn't be in the game. Because, yeah, growth and contribution is inherent. Mm. Therefore, yeah, pray for strong winds. Pray, you know, and sometimes it's a breeze. Sometimes it's a hurricane. Mm. Yeah, that's the journey of life. Mm. And so for, for me, yeah, whatever comes in after nine o'clock at that point, yeah, I know for one thing absolutely for sure in 43 years of being on this planet, and that is there are no straight lines in nature. So where my left brain thinks things are going to come from, ah, that ain't going to work. Uh, and nature doesn't waste energy in vain, which means that yeah, if, 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 you take, if you go back to, to high school physics, if you connect you know, two wires and a battery to a bulb, it's going to light. If you draw a wire across those wires, it's going to go out because we call it a short circuit. Now, here's my question. Yeah, electricity, which fundamentally is metaphysical, yeah, why, does it short, why does it take the path of least resistance? We don't know because the principle is nature takes the path of least resistance. You know, water doesn't run uphill. So how does it know? Because even in complicated circuits, what I do know is this, and no physics teacher will be able to tell you that it doesn't run around every single permutation of that circuit, write a SWOT analysis on which is the least you know, path of least resistance, and then decide to go down there. No, it doesn't even register on the, on the other parts of the circuit. It automatically knows. There is an innate level of intelligence behind it that automatically knows. So if the nature of life is nonlinear, and you know, we're tricked into thinking it's linear through having an overdeveloped left brain through traditional education, which only deals with things that can be measured, i.e., you take a math test and score 70%, I can measure that. But you take a test for creativity, imagination, or how much you love somebody, where do you score? You can't. It's nonlinear. But the essence of life is nonlinear. So if we're overdeveloped in thinking with our left brain, we get seduced into thinking that the fastest way from A to B to get our goals is a straight line. And yeah, how, how many times does that work? It doesn't. If you want evidence of that, dead simple. Yeah, open your front door and draw a straight line to the gym and see if you can get there. Right? That's, uh, or or dr try driving a straight line to the supermarket. I, I got news for you. Yeah, you, <laughs> it's not the fastest way. Mm. So yeah, so 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 I so I get what you're saying. So basically, um, this the whole uh, linear path, um, you know, straight corridors compartmentalized time blocks that we have in education and work and office cubicles, right angles, and everything about the way that we are conditioned is unnatural. And it's, it's feeding this um, unnatural state where, and you're saying that basically in nature, there are no straight lines. So what is your, what is your just help me tie that in with your point about the, the circuitry and about how there's that innate intelligence that makes the electricity go the shortest route possible sure nature doesn't waste energy in vain so if you're congruent with the path that you're walking don't expect it to be a straight line you are you know, your river is going to bend now if you're hooked into the left brain yeah if you're going south and you're all happy because the river's flying south well guess what we know the river's then going to bend left right so you're going to head east what most people trapped into the left brain do is they take their boat and they start digging a channel straight yeah south which takes a tremendous amount of energy. Can it be done? Sure. But it's why, why go that path? Mm. Can you go to the gym in a straight line? Well, maybe with a sledgehammer or some C4, you can blow through your neighbor's wall. Maybe, but it's inefficient. Mm. 
So if you flow with the current and accept that life is going to take you there, but it's going to be nonlinear, you'll figure out that as you head east, it's so that the nature can probably catapult you back round south in a faster way. You know, or you're going to avoid something that's, you know, that was going to be rapids or a waterfall in the river. So it's trusting that innate nature of life that is smarter than you because you can't stop your finger from healing when you cut it, right? There's something smarter than us that takes over. So why fight that? And that, I believe, is in philosophy with exactly what you teach. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're, you're really, we're, we're, um, we're not borrowing, but we're, we're sharing the same ideology and philosophy as, as the Taoists when they, when they talk of Wu Wei uh, or effortless yeah. action and this... This, this energy or this, this flowing rhythm that is inherent in this universe that we live in. And you can either oppose it and be resistant and block, and you know, you'll, you'll get exactly that in your life. You'll get blockages and resistance, or you can go with it. It's, it's a, I, I love the way that you, you articulated it there. Um, so how we can uh, normalize challenge, normalize the, the um, or embrace it even, not just normalize it. Like in flow. flow with the challenge. Yeah, that's right. Can, can it, I get deeper it, into, your, into your morning rituals, Peter? Um, sure. Because I feel like just, just with many things in our culture, like, you know, uh, mindfulness and other things, there's a, there's a tendency to skirt on the surface level and then it becomes almost like a cliche. It's like, oh, yeah, morning rituals. Yeah, I know that they're powerful. Yeah, move on. But it's more than that. Like the morning ritual is more than that. Like every single high achiever or someone that's done deep work on themselves has built into their life this morning ritual. And some of these elements that you talk of are what I um, teach to, to my clients as well. And so the, the, um, the reading of a certain type, it's basically what you feed your consciousness at that time of the day. Um, the journaling, the visualizations, the affirmations or statements of power. And then you've got the movement element. Can I... Something that I've noticed many people struggle with is is the journaling side of things because I guess it's kind of like an open-ended loop. It's like our, our right brain people want to say, no, give me the definitions of what I have to write. I need to fill in the box and answer the questions and you're just giving me a blank page piece of paper. Um, so do you have any structure around your journaling or is it just free flow? Total free flow. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to be happening in the next sentence on that because I'm channeling through what... a, a is authentically expressing itself. Mm. Now, if anything, I get the mind out of the way. The mind's involved in a way to, you know, transfer it into two-dimensional language, you know, on, on paper, but it comes from a, a almost a, a fourth-dimensional waveform of consciousness. Yeah, you interpret that through third-dimensional, you, know, uh, you know, thinking, but, you know, and then represent it two-dimensionally in, in journaling. But there's no, like, if you start trying to turn it into a left-brain exercise, you miss the entire point. Mm. So, and if nothing comes up, nothing comes up. Yeah, feel what you're compelled to write, not what you think you should write. And for many people that are left brain overstimulated, it's a hard habit to break, which is why mindfulness should really come first. But most people's mind is like an untrained puppy. Yeah, it, it'll run off at every single direction. But if you if you work on it, and it is, it's work in progress. Yeah, it it, it doesn't happen overnight. You inherent with the the, the wisdom uh, of the Tao, inherent with the the wisdom of the current is nature's own pace. Yeah, you can't make a baby in three months. Yeah, now, you can't turn an acorn into an oak tree in 20 minutes. So if you understand that nature has its own pace, there is nothing that you can do that will affect the speed of the current in the river. However, 
There's a lot of things that you can do to align yourself with that current that'll propel you faster or capsize you. But fighting the current versus flying with the current are two very different methodologies. But the current itself is where the mind starts to sabotage people because instead of you know, trying to position oneself in the current accurately or more effectively and be a better sailor, the mind starts to try to control the current. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's where we have the challenge. Mm. So for, for me, j- journaling yeah, is usually far better once I'm in a state that allows that information to flow through, which is very hard if I'm trying to think about it because my mind's overstimulated. So I tend to meditate first before I journal unless I've been reading something in yeah, uh, one of the books that I read uh, and taking a classic example, something like The Power of Now with Eckhart Tolle, I think most people are familiar with. And all of a sudden, boom, you get a, you get a level of insight that's like, wow, and you want to capture that. That that's probably the most structured I would have in my journaling because it would it would lead on to something that makes me go boom wow yeah, and and uh, something that applies to me. But other than that, yeah, go go talk to yourself and see what. Happens. Yeah, I love that. I, like the, the the structure in, in in the journal is almost like a that that is the you know that's almost like, like trying to say I love you with a shotgun. It's it's like the wrong tool. You know, we're we're trying to bring right brain into a left brain type thing. Um, yeah. So the free flow, it's like morning pages is a, is, is a technique that a lot of people are, are familiar with. And it's just literally stream of consciousness, just like t- tipping out your soul onto, onto a page. But it's a struggle, as you said, for many people who are technical and, um, you know, pumped through this educational system that we have. It's, it's, it's really a struggle. And uh, I have many of my clients are very technically minded people, you know, computer programmers or uh, CTOs at startups and that sort of people. And it's like everything has a start and a finish and they're very rational. And, you know, it's this this whole concept of let's just get a blank piece of paper and just pour out what comes from within you. It's it's it takes time to get to that stage, doesn't it? If if you're overweight, you're not going to walk in the gym and get fit. Mm Yeah, it's it's going to take time. It's going to take persistence, dedication, and and to to follow the more spiritual or yeah, you know, let's let's just call it yeah, you know, emotionally mature path, takes a level of of spiritual will and devotion, usually with its basis in self love, that very few people have a reference for for being able to do. So they turn it into another to do list, and yeah, or turn it into another goal, which is it's, it's like the mind trying to tell the mind to shut up to meditate. You you can't. Yeah. Now, it's it, there has to be a sense of separation. Yeah. And very few people have practice or mentorship or, or um, yeah, a, a way to uh, follow separating their sense of identity from their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People think they are their mind, just like they think they are their body, rather than understanding they have a body, they have a mind, they are not their mind. And for many people, left brain dominant, the the, the, the metaphor I, I share here is is almost like if you imagine you know, the the ultimate source of, of power in the physical universe, as far as we can tell, is the sun. Um, it, it's the star. It's, it's an immense source of, of incredible power, which essentially comes from the metaphysical. It comes from a nuclear you know, sub, uh, subatomic uh, level of expression you know, through fission. But if you look at the moon one night and people say, oh, wow, look how bright the moon's shining. Look at the moonlight. Well, the reality is there is no moonlight. The moon is a black rock that doesn't give off one photon. It's illuminated by the sun, the power source, but we tend to think that, oh, the moon is shining. Whereas the essence of who we are, the power source of who we are, 
which people will finally get in touch with if you ask them a question such as, who are you without your name? Yeah, you strip a label away that they're used to clinging on to, and it's like, oh, they get in touch of an essence of who they are, the essence that shows up when there's a beautiful sunset on a beach and they're holding the hand of the person they're with yeah, and experiencing joy with the mind completely silent. That essence of who they are shows up. But if the sun is illuminating the moon, if the moon suddenly had delusions of grandeur thinking it was a star, that's the mind. The mind is illuminated by the essence of who you are and then it shines forward. But then the mind starts to think that, oh, I'm the sun, I'm the source. I am, yeah, the power and the identification with that as moonlight, <laughs> if you like, is what causes most people to forget that the essence of who they are is not their mind. The essence of who they are illuminates the mind and powers it. <laughs> I so love that metaphor. Yeah, separating from that is the first step when you meditate to get in touch with that so you can then observe the mind or enter what Eckhart Tolle would say, the witness consciousness. Mm, yes, the observer. So uh, let's just... Let's just um, make this point very clear. So what you're talking about is a way for people to understand the fundamental power of meditation. So if there's anybody out there who's on the cusp or thinking, oh, meditation is not for me, or I'm not actually sure why I meditate, or, or meditation is just for chilling, then I think what Peter's helping us to explain here is the profundity, the power of meditation is that it helps us shift our consciousness to understand that we are not our thoughts. We are not our mind. We are this infinite source of power that could be equated to the sun and um, whatever it is that blocks us from expressing that in our life is this identification with the moon with our mind and it's a limit mm. it's, it's 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 by definition it's limited because it doesn't have any photons and light to give of itself i love that metaphor man thank you for that well yeah you're welcome and again let's see for the left brain people out there that yeah let's let's just you know give them some rational logic to, to play with you know Everything that is physical is destination by definition is non-physical. Yeah. Everything in the physical world is subject to the law of impermanence. I don't care if it's you know, your, your, your house, your, the tree outside, or the body you live in. Now, everything by the very definition of being physical means that its destination is non-physical. Yeah, you know, get out of that one, left brain. And so, yeah, the essence of life has to be non-physical. Now, you know, you can play with the mind and say, okay, how much non-physical can you fit on the head of a pin? Yeah, all of it. Now, it it's, it's different conceptual understanding. But if you start to then say, okay, well, let's look at the science of meditation behind it. Again, for the left brain people out there, you go do the science and see the biophysical effect that it has. On being able to align you go go study heart math go go look at the the reaction that it has in the physical world by having the mind quiet and take its rightful place not steal the throne but to sit at the side of the throne yeah it's an incredible tool but you know if, if you have the warrior in charge of the kingdom instead of the sovereign then you've got a dictatorship and very few dictatorships serve the greater good Mm. Uh, apart from their own ego, which is you know, the mind sitting on the throne, hijacking it, thinking it's the, you know, it's the king. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, if you want to go and start studying meditation, it's not some new age, you know, let's go smoke dope kind of deal to you know, chill out and get rid of stress as just some little tool. The, the, the impact on it at every single level that science now validates just 
you know, shows I mean, you, you only got to test it yeah but it shows so much more than the traditional previous stereotype and uh, which has been usually the domain of the mystics or the yeah the the, the new age mm-hmm. uh, and let's be honest you know science and religion and spirituality will never really be apart they're just different ways of telling the same story mm-hmm. from, from a different perspective and it's you know, everything is unified at that level but you know if you want to get in touch with the fact that someday you're going to check out of this game and what do you want to do? Do you, you, you want to get to the end and say, you know, damn, I, I should have spent more days in the office? Mm. Or you know, you're going to get to the end and suddenly realize that you, know, you, you missed your kids growing up because you were too busy chasing something you thought would give them the education that you, know, you felt that they needed, only to realize that you know, what they really needed was a father. Mm. The, the essence of life is lived in, not in the left brain. Wow. I'm... Uh... I love the fact that I'm talking right now to somebody who has who has this uh, entrepreneur background and business sense, but has you know I I I, I don't know whether this is the right word to use, but 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 has this sense of, of awakening or uh, tuning into a to a force that is authentic and real, and you know, and I wanted to talk to you about business because I feel like we are in a time of great change. I'm sure you'll agree. And I feel no. like some of the things that you just mentioned, like the, there is a merging of science and spirituality that is happening in our lifetimes. There is, we are living in a time where there is this corroboration or this validation, um, almost like science catching up and saying, oh, and, and, the, and the mystics are just like, finally, thank God, you, you, you can now like tick that box and, and prove with that experiment. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Ken Wilber and, and integral theory and... Um, it, it feels like there, there is this shift that's happening in the business world uh, driven by shifts in individual consciousness, but also uh, more like practical shifts like Twitter and um, transparency. And, 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 TripAdvisor. <laughs> yes, TripAdvisor and not being able to create this facade of, of, of a marketed brand. Um, yeah. And it's... And it's it's throwing open the doors. It's almost like there's the opportunity here for capitalism to be purified almost from the inside out because um, there, there is, it's glass now. It's glass. You can yeah. see through it. And um, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on how you saw this shift in business happening. Uh, I, I think that a lot of that shift comes from a, a generation who is really starting to live with the consequences of its predecessors. Mm. And you know, there's a level of awakening there that in some respects is self-serving because you know, who, who wants to live in a world where you know, there's no more elephants or you know, uh, uh, there, there's no more you know, trees uh, or, or you, know, you can't drink clean water uh, w- without a filter. Yeah, so you know, th- there's that level of awareness now. And of course, you know, the barriers to, to knowledge have been eradicated. But as you say, the, there's nowhere to hide. And old paradigms do have to die out. Yeah, there's too many people that are too committed to existing ways of thinking to fulfill the patterns we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, in terms of self-validation, yeah, you you try to get a traditional uh, doctor or PhD that's gone through six years of investment into trying to prove to the world they're good enough and have it challenged at any level, and they've got a vested interest in defending their identity rather than seeking truth. Right, not because they're good or bad people; it's just the nature of the pattern. So yeah, b- business right now. I mean, the, the entire the entire world has shifted uh, beautifully. So, and again, it's it's an opportunity. 
Uh, I, I personally think that yeah, nature always finds a way to balance. And yeah, yeah we, we have to evolve. I think there's going to be a bit of a sharp bump for many people in, in some level of correction that we have to go through. I don't think the transition will be smooth, but yeah, most ecosystems are fire driven. Yeah, yeah that's it's, interesting. Yes, mm. most ecosystems are fire driven. Wow, what does that mean? I, like, what's what, so you're saying that, that we, we might we, we're going to need to go through the fire, or we've gone through the fire, or we're going through the fire? I, I, I don't even think there's that much smoke yet, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and and it is what it is. Again, then once you start letting go of some of the insecurities and start to realize that the very nature of life is impermanence at the physical level. You can start getting off your own insecurities and egocentrism and start focusing on the greater good. Yeah. And if that means that we can then start building businesses that really help people at a social level and as a byproduct or a consequence of that, we become financially better off. Yeah. Not as a way to be able to try and rape or pollute the planet or, or you know, hoodwink people with you know, bullshit marketing campaigns that yeah. have our interest, not the consumer at heart. But as a way to validate the fact that money is nothing more than a byproduct or a consequence of adding value to others. And therefore, as a medium of exchange, if you're focused on value, money will follow you. If you're focused on making money, then you're shortcutting the process, like trying to get the strength before the weights. Yeah, so, and giving up on the game of, of really, say, chasing the more, which is where I was. Yeah, if you start to understand that, you know, let, let, let's, let's just look at it for a second. Let's look at wealth. What is wealth? Because if you take a million dollars, for most people on the planet, a million dollars would make them feel more wealthy than where they are right now. If you take somebody like, you know, let's, let's take somebody in the media like Donald Trump yeah, or Sir Richard Branson. Uh, yeah, um, if they were down to their last million dollars, they probably wouldn't feel wealthy. Mm -hmm. So it can't be the million dollars. It's always our relationship or our perception of what that million dollars represents. So therefore, wealth is nothing more than the perception of abundance. Poverty is nothing more than the perception of scarcity. That's it. You know, I've, I've lived in Dubai for six years, you know, previous to where I'm at now. And, you know, I see kids who have, you know, Ferraris for their 17th birthday that bitch and complain because, you know, they, they had, didn't get the model that they wanted. I work with kids in, in Africa, in some of the slums in Cape Town, in Guguledu, who are joyous because it rained yesterday. You know, perception of abundance, perception of scarcity. That's it. So how do you focus on becoming wealthy? Focus on what you can be abundant with and what's the fastest way to get into abundance. Well, the fastest way is unconditional love. But unfortunately, most people, because of the reason we spoke earlier, don't have a reference for it. So unconditional love is not an effective way for people to try and tap into abundance right? because they just don't have enough references. Right? They, 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 they don't have the muscle of unconditional love built in a way that someone like Mother Teresa would or Nelson Mandela would. Right, so yeah, what's the second fastest way that people can access that? Gratitude. You cannot feel scarcity and gratitude in the same thought. And yeah, luckily the mind acts like a compass needle. Yeah, it can only point in one direction at a time. So if you're tuning that in to radio gratitude and listening to the songs that are playing there, you can't tune into radio my life sucks and start tapping your feet. It's mutually exclusive. The challenge there, unfortunately, is that our default radio station will automatically retune in when we're sleeping awake. 
In other words, what we're most conditioned to, and unfortunately, the biggest two conditioners of most people are the media and their peer group. And most people don't take conscious charge of being able to create or dictate that. So therefore, when they're sleeping awake, they can have a, a moment of conscious um, control over where that compass needle points and go do my gratitude meditation. But unless you're consistently stroking and remagnetizing that needle in that direction, when you become unconscious, which we are 95% of the time, which is why we drive to work on our day off, right? then yeah, it's going to gravitate back to the radio station that it's most conditioned to. That's why rituals are so important. That's why you know, you've got to keep going to the gym in order to get yeah, the results you want. You don't go once and think, oh, look, you know, see, I meditated. Why didn't, you know, why didn't I get a check in the mail? Why? Because you'll get an eviction notice instead. Uh -huh. <laughs> You're not doing anything consistently. Now, again, Jerry, this is amazing. So, so this is about um, the building the strength of the ritual so that we don't fall into this, this default state of um, ungratitude. Uh, or this default state of the poverty scarcity mindset. So, so, so your discipline, your, your rituals, your practices um, of gratitude is all part of this system of building abundance or perception of abundance so that you are wealthy. Uh, Alison, you cannot become wealthy until you are wealthy. Now that sounds like a paradox, so let me explain. Outer world follows inner world. Case closed. We know that in every credible science lab on the planet right now because the metaphysical creates the physical. The atom proceeds from the wave. Yeah, You collapse the waveform and you lower the frequency and it becomes a particle. In other words, yeah, as we said earlier, the origin of matter is non-physical. So, uh, and if you have a look right now in terms of the observer effect, the, the, the most fundamental exciting discovery in the 20th century is that the enthusiastic and engaged observer creates the observed. But most people miss the, the profundity of that because they're too busy you know, watching the media and believing that they're not good enough until they buy some other crap. So, yeah, if you can understand that yeah, from a, uh, a metaphysical perspective, that's, you know, the, that's where we want to focus now, what most people don't understand is that because the metaphysical gives birth to the physical, yeah, just like parents give birth to us, there are certain characteristics that are on similar scales. Yeah, we, we carry some of the characteristics from our parents, for example, in our genes and DNA and our, our, our physical looks. So if we go to the gym, let's use a, a physical metaphor for the physical world. We go to the gym and we train in the gym consistently we would be somewhat surprised if we didn't see results within you know, three to six weeks. We'd expect that. We don't go and train in the gym, train our arms, and then go sit in the changing rooms and think, wow, I really trained my arms hard. I wonder if they're going to respond. I really hope they do. But the metaphysical gym operates about the same time frame. Yeah, we call it the, the quantum to Newtonian transition point in quantum physics. So yeah, if you're laying the foundation of creating the circumstances you want through a level of active participation, through enthusiastic intention, then you go to meditate, and guess what? You go to the metaphysical gym, you meditate once, and you get upset because nothing happens. This positive thinking crap doesn't work. Well, guess what? Yeah, If you've spent most of your life in McDonald's, and you go to the gym, and you come out, and you step on the scales, and you're not you know, three stone lighter, then you know, no shit, Sherlock. You've got to keep going. 
but it follows the same time frame. So if you're consistent in your meditation, your visualization, your input of, of connection to gratitude and abundance, within three to six weeks, you'll start to notice results. But most people, because they don't acknowledge the time delay, they acknowledge it in the physical world, it makes perfect sense, but they don't acknowledge it in the metaphysical world, don't stay the course. They're intermittent. And that's like going to the gym and probably getting all enthusiastic like most people do at the beginning of the year, and then yeah, it tails off. Yeah. Or still they self-sabotage. So they go and do their morning ritual, and it's all perfect and gratitude, and then they go turn on CNN, yeah, constant negative news. Yeah. And yeah, instead, that's like going to the gym and doing a really great workout and walking straight into you know, KFC. It, it, you're self-sabotaging. So having that level of discipline to stay the course and then see results will amass the evidence that will allow your left brain to unhook its death grip on how it thinks things should be. And from there, you can really start to support yourself in that lifestyle. Mm, fantastic. There's a lot of gold in there. Um, I want to talk to you quickly about this vibe of hustling and striving that's coming. You know, I was, I was listening to the Dan uh, LaPena um, podcast with, with Brian Rose at London Real and um, the vibe I got and I know that you've worked with, with him I think I believe um, I've known down for many years yeah and to be honest I got this vibe of heavy uh, military like uh, pushing and striving and you know, <laughs> you know he's dropping some colourful language as well I've got no problem with colourful language but it was kind of like cracking the whip like you got to you got to hustle. You got to strive. If you haven't made it in life, then it's because you haven't fucking worked hard enough. And yeah. it was it didn't sit well with me. And I want and I wanted to know how you, um, you know, join the dots here. Yeah, a, a dose of Dan. Uh, I think yeah, not many people forget that. Uh, Dan, while Dan, and this is a dichotomy because while Dan is in his truth and that's his flow. What his message is, is really about getting people out of sort of victim lazy mode and kicking their ass through into achiever mode by busting some of the patterns that we talked about earlier. They're not good enough. The you know, uh, uh, procrastination, the hiding out from life and, and basically ripping the heart out of those patterns with his teeth. And, and that's Dan. Uh, I, I have a, a different take on and a very different approach energetically to that. You know, I'm, I'm, and Dan will tell you, I, I, I'm marching to the beat of a different drum. I was certainly in that kind of mode. And when I first met Dan in my early 20s, that's, you know, he inspired me to get off my ass and, and, and make stuff happen and hustle and, and all that kind of stuff. But that, that for me is very much about swimming upstream, because, which is far better than sitting on the side of the river bitching and complaining that your boat's not coming in to take you where you want to go. Right. Or the fact that the water's cold or it's raining. So, you know, getting into the mode out of being a victim and getting in the river and starting to swim towards your goals is a progression for many people. But I'd much rather you know, flow with the current and work with the principles of nature rather than try and carve a channel out of the stream because the river bent you know, left. And so it's it's different approaches for different times of people's emotional development is my take on that and i'm not saying he's you know higher or low it's not a hierarchical thing yeah uh, by any means i say dan paradoxically is in his flow because that's his gift to the world to get people out of that so dan's actually flowing with his own current mm -hmm. by telling people to swim upstream <laughs> <laughs> i know what you mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's an interesting way to look at it. So swimming upstream is still a step in the right direction relative to sitting on the sidelines 
and being a victim and wishing your life was something different. That's, that, that's an interesting point right there. So I, I find like, you know, the, the, the number one, you work with high achievers, I work with high achievers, and I'm sure that we'll both agree that we often see this default state of mind that shit just isn't good enough. And that if there's the way that I've been trained to make shit better is to, is to hustle and to push and to strive. And that creates this dichotomy between an imagined future that is better than what now is. And, 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 that, and that is the, you know, the seed of angst, really, isn't it? Um, the, the level of consciousness that, that Hawkins describes there is the level of desire. Now, once you're trapped in, a, in desire, you start to realize, um, hopefully at some point, that it is a level of, of energy. It's, it's, a, it's a motivational driving force, and it is force. It's not power. It doesn't flow. You're still swimming upstream. But if you're in desire, that's why nothing that you achieve ever satisfies that desire. Now, there may be some temporary you know, sort of you know, wins, but most of the time, those temporary wins are celebrated, and the feel-good factor is the fact that you're no longer striving rather than the fact that you've actually achieved. People don't make that distinction. It's like smokers. Most smokers say, oh, yeah, I really enjoy a cigarette. What they actually enjoy is no longer craving a cigarette, but the brain won't wire it that way because it justifies the behavior. So yeah, if you uh, yeah, come from a place of of saying, right, I'm trapped by the, the chasing the more, the desire. And, oh, look, I've achieved my goal. But because I'm in the, the, the level of consciousness of desire, which is far better than apathy, it's far better than victim, it's far better than yeah, uh, uh, shame or sitting down on your backside bitching about life. Yeah, it gives purpose to something. It gives you some level of higher energy to go after. And a lot of people are, are proud of that. Yeah, it's far better to be in desire than sit as a victim in the ghetto. So, yeah, but if, you're, if you stay there, then what happens is whatever you achieve is simply replaced by another object of desire because you, it's not the goal you're chasing. It's the overwhelming sense of desire that's driving you, and that will be perpetual yeah, and always replaced with the next goal. That's why I've worked with yeah, people that are worth $700 million that are miserable because they're not a billionaire. Yeah, it'll never right? And so transcending through that is, again, a path of spiritual and emotional immaturity, which you know, life hopefully will invite you to take. And it could be hitting an intersection at 60 miles an hour. It could be a heart attack. It could be your wife walking out on you for the pool boy. No, it, it, yeah, it, it, it'll come at some level because you're against the flow. And power of life and flow will always win over time against the force of you swimming upstream. Amazing. You, you mentioned before that the, the, the fastest step to this um, abundance is unconditional love, but it's, but it's difficult because of all of our conditioning around conditional love. Yeah. So that, and the second fastest way is through gratitude because you cannot be both grateful and feel in poverty at the same time. It's binary. Right. Um, so where does acceptance and forgiveness fit into this model because for me my my path to self-love required me to walk through the forests of acceptance and forgiveness of all that stood between me and love of myself yeah De depends where you are on your journey you know for some people yeah forgiving the unforgivable is outside of their yeah, emotional yeah, threshold that, that those weights are too heavy 
right? Uh, for some people, depending on how high a level you want to go, there is nothing to forgive. In fact, it's reframed as thank you for giving me that lesson that I attracted at some level. Yeah, the strongest trees grow and the strongest winds. So, you know, it's, it's all dependent upon you know, what level you look in the mirror. So, but the, the foundational step from my experience is, as you say, the, the self-acceptance. It's being okay with being okay where you're at. If you can understand that there is nothing else to prove, you were born 400 million to one and chosen, you came out with a gold medal. More than any Olympic medal you could ever replace. We just didn't dust it off and polish it for a while. And once you recognize that and get in touch with that, right, there's nothing else to prove. Now you're free to go and choose what you want to do and create and, and go forth and change the world or do whatever you want to do you know, as, as the best partner, housewife, you know, or you know, spiritual or, or political leader. It doesn't matter. You know, there's no hierarchy at that point. It's authenticity at that point. But you know, self-acceptance without that, you're going to be chasing your tail. And you know, that's, that's a tunnel with no cheese. <laughs> a tunnel with no cheese. It's beautiful. One of my, one of my good friends, um, he, whenever he says goodbye to me, he doesn't say goodbye. He says, just remember, Jiro, you've already done enough. You are enough. <laughs> and uh, I love that. That, that. that was a big turning point for me. And it came in one meeting with a, a person who was a mentor of mine. And I was um, in 2002, I became at that time the youngest trainer for Tony Robbins. And yeah, I've, I've been privileged to work with Tony for the last probably decade and a half around the world. And I remember when I was striving to be a trainer, uh, which was kind of a, a, at that point, I perceived to be a very elite group of people. Uh, what I, I really should have been saying is a very yeah, authentic group of people that have got past half the crap that you know, I was trying to get past. Yeah. But I thought that by being a trainer, it would validate me, which automatically means I'd never be one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah, uh, it's kind of like being wealthy. You know, I, the symbol of the trainer is when they give you a jacket uh, and just, you know, there's no, there's no um, test to pass. There's no, it's, they just know when you're ready. And you pulled aside and the, uh, the master trainers agree and you, you sort of bought into the family, if you were, and given a jacket. And the, the, the metaphor there is you don't become a trainer by getting a jacket. They give you the jacket when they know you're a trainer. Mm -hmm. Now, again, contrast that with wealth. And you can hear what I said earlier. Mm -hmm. You don't become rich yeah, yeah, by, yeah, or you don't become wealthy by be getting rich. You get rich by being wealthy. Yes, yes. So for me, I remember walking in with one of the trainers who was, who was mentoring me at the time, a beautiful soul called Jerry McKinney. And, uh, and Jerry, is, he's like a grandfather figure. And he says, Peter, I need to tell you something. He said, you're always on task. Your skill sets are high. You know, you, you tick a lot of boxes. You're always trying to, to do this. And he says, I need to tell you something. Of course, I'm like, you know, A, what's wrong? Or B, you know, give me a compliment, you know, because that I'm craving. And, uh, and he's... So you, you know, if you were to screw up, of course I'm like, you know, what have I done? He says, but no, you're okay. He says, no, if you were to screw up, if you were to fail, if you weren't to achieve any of the goals or any of the tasks that we give you, or any of that, he says, you know something, we'd still love you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> Which, if 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 you if you went to hell in a handbasket tomorrow and cocked up on the next intervention or, you know, messed up on the next you know, uh, you know, drug addiction uh, deal that you were doing, you said, we'd still love you. And I, I couldn't get over the fact that 
at that point of my life, everything was the fact that I had to earn love and approval by ticking a box that told me I was good enough. And here's some guy who I respect immensely that was the most incredible, authentic human being I knew at the time, turning around saying, guess what? Even if you screw up, we'll still love you because of who you are. And I'm like, boom. That that knocked the pattern out of me in a way that really allowed me to the freedom to screw up by being okay with where I'm at. Mm. And if we could get the kids in the world and teach them that in school, you'd change the world. Oh, I'm feeling it, man. I'm feeling it. That is a powerful uh, message that we're gonna that we're gonna close on, Peter. Um, that is wonderful. Can you tell us um, how how everyone? I'm gonna leave links in the in the show notes, of course. But just tell us how people can can learn more of the wisdom that you share and and can connect with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, uh, my my website is petersage.com. Nice and easy. And um, uh, I think there's there's a lot of stuff out there on my YouTube channel that I try and put as much out there as I can to help people. Yeah, you know, obviously I've got other stuff. If if people want to take it further, I'm I'm happy to you know for them to come spend time with me in person at some of my events, which I'm I'm passionate about doing. But I know that's not available to everybody, and so I try to do as much as I can online for as many people around the world to give access to to as much stuff as I can, just so we can you know leave a little thumbprint for people to to help with. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the Flow State podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Peter. Pleasure's mine, my friend. You're doing amazing work, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have played a little part in, in helping it today. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode as much as I did. Peter is a really wise man, and he really does walk the talk. I found it fascinating to learn about his story, moving from this life of being a successful entrepreneur to realizing that all of that was meaningless in terms of internal growth and self-validation, how we move from having this life built around external markers of success to creating a life built on internal abundance and wealth. Some of the metaphors he dropped were some of the most profound and wise that I've ever heard, and they really cut through uh, deep. That one where he talked about the sun and the moon and how there's no power in the moon, like there's not a single photon of energy emitted from the moon. It's nothing but a reflection of the sun. And this is a metaphor for how we can understand our own ego, our own thinking mind, relative to our true selves, our true selves, the sun, that emits this huge power. And our ego that we attach with and we think, oh, what is this thing? We give it, we give it realness, we give it validation, but it's nothing but the moon. It's just a reflection, nothing but a reflection. I found it very interesting to learn about the rituals that Peter has in his life, this three-hour morning ritual that makes it real, that keeps him grounded, that keeps him committed to walking this path. And I found it fascinating to realize how he's lived his life, how he's redesigned his life to fit around nature's principles, this uh, philosophy of growth and contribution. If If you're in nature and you're not growing and you're not contributing, then you're out the food chain. You're gone. So when you think about your purpose in life, when you think about what this is all about, Think about that. Think about nature. Think about growth and contribution. Think about how you can realign your life to give to the ecosystem that you're a part of. And that is the surest way to find your purpose and your highest meaning in your life. Please listen and please share this episode if you thought it was uh, a good one. And please, uh, yeah, please review or the Flow State Performance Podcast. Please leave comments. Please email me, Jiro, at theflowstatecollective.com. If you have a meditation practice, if you want to deepen a meditation practice, please go to find me on Facebook. I'm the only Jira Taylor, 
and you'll find an amazing Facebook group called The Practice, which is uh, 120 people who are committed to deepening their meditation practice and living a more congruent and authentic life. And you can find that by going to my Facebook page or by following the links on theflowstatecollective.com. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.